Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, the only podcast where myself, Stephen, and my friend Vaughn think about spoiling things and act upon it of recent releases. How are you doing, Vaughn? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very, very well, actually. Very, very well. Um, so we're going for a movie today that we both saw a little bit ago, um, but we're also doing it as a way of introducing a few new ideas. Um, so yeah. we've got a, a popular new film um, from the, the geniuses of Pixar, Pixar's Turning Red. Um, so we're going to talk a bit about Pixar, about the uh, familiarity with. Um, we're going to talk about this movie, um, Turning Red, I believe. Yes, um, which you is are a, correct. A, a, a Clifford-like. Um, <laughs> it's also a, a Petite Maman movie, but we'll get to that. It's a, it's a kaiju movie, it's a Clifford movie, it's a Petite Maman movie. It's, it's all the things you want. Um, and then we have a brand new segment. Yes, we do have a brand new segment of listener mail. We're going to mm. try and... I'm thinking of reading... <laughs> thinking, <laughs> thinking of reading things. things. <laughs> <laughs> <There you> uh, <laughs> it's not really a pun that keeps working, but it's one that we'll keep doing. Yeah, of course. Well, we have to force it into everything. It's part of the mm. show branding. Yeah. Um, but I will say first, before we get to our main film of the day, we have mm. some business to attend to related to the oh, Oscars. <laughs> yes, we do. I can't believe I almost yes. got. Yeah, no, we, okay. So we did our sealed envelope podcast where we both yes. predicted very successfully the Oscars. Um, <laughs> very successfully is certainly one way to put it. I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that. Yeah, I mean, we booked it very, very badly as predicted. Um, Actually, by the time this is up, the Stax Awards will maybe be up. Uh, this goes up Friday, so maybe, maybe I don't know when you're up. Oh, know. you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe you can, you know, check out the TwinGeeks.com for the the Stax Awards at some point, where you'll see the the, the real Oscars, the real yes. Oscars. But much better than whatever was broadcast that night. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch. It. I, was, I was, it was stupid o'clock in the morning, and <laughs> I've never watched the Oscars. I don't really care to. Um, but we did our predictions and i won yes you won i believe the final tally was six to eleven you had me, oh, you had God. me quite defeated there yeah. i was i got a couple at the very end but i was hopeful i might might pull it out but did not you defeated so. you defeated you defeated <laughs> so having lost the oscar bet mm. as if you had listened to the oscars episode stephen having one forced me <laughs> to watch rob zombies the haunted world Who? el super bisto oh sorry Who? robert zombies <laughs> thank you robert robert zombie um the haunted world of el super bisto which mm. i have watched by now and it is you are correct it is the worst thing ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah isn't it though? <laughs> it it's it's some one of those things that you hear sometimes about certain movies like there's that collection of movies and yeah. like these are just terrible these are the worst things kind of famously mm. and i expected it to be in that where it was bad but i could kind of laugh at it and like it was like five minutes in that i was like oh this is just actually the worst thing ever and there is mm. absolutely nothing to enjoy about this it's it's awful because it's 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 animation that's just ugly as sin to begin with oh yeah um and it's that most potent mix of just being just crap and terribly written and deeply, deeply offensive all the oh, way yeah. through. Um, it is just just everything is horrible. Thing. Yeah, nothing oh, funny or entertaining or worth laughing at or watching for any reason whatsoever. And um, it has a a run of faux self awareness that makes it worse. 
of like it keeps like referring to itself and like making jokes about itself how it keeps doing the same thing so i was like just just stop doing those things just don't make yeah. a joke about it just don't it's not oh. not good at all so you enjoyed it's it terrible terrible the whole time i mean at least it's only like 75 minutes but it's also the worst 75 minutes of your life so yeah um, I don't recommend that anybody watch it for any reason, whether it's ironic or not. You will not have a good time. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. Hence, why I made people watch it with me as like a, as a watch party because I, was just like, <laughs> I can't be the only person that's seen this. It's, it's literally the worst thing. Like, it's the only only movie on Letterbox that I have as a half star. I did the same. I felt like it definitely yeah. deserved that. I have not seen <laughs> anything atrocious. that comes anywhere close. <laughs> God, yeah. So. Um... You may listen to this thinking, oh, I should watch that file. Do not watch it. No, absolutely <laughs> not. No. It's just not no. worth it. It makes other Robert Zombie movies look good. I am inclined to agree with that. I've only seen his Halloween movies, but they are also not great. So, yeah. He's made a good movie. Um, so there's that. <laughs> what's the, what's your, well, it's probably not great to say favorite, but... <laughs> Oh, my favorite, my favorite Robert Zombie movie is easily Lords of Salem. Lords of okay. Salem is a is a good film, um, just kind of because it just has some good like imagery in it. Um, That's I'll take that. It coasts by on some pretty evocative imagery, but it's kind of also a nothing of a movie. Um, it does enough, but the rest of his filmography is bad. Doing enough is much better than most of his films do. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely better. So Speaking look forward to animated movies. <laughs> Moving on now, I was just going to say, look forward, I will unfortunately have to write a lot of words about that terrible, yeah. terrible movie, which is something that not even Stephen has done. Yeah, no, I, I refuse. <laughs> I, I, I am not putting like any. So at some it point. of my thoughts. It's so terrible. Oh, it really is. Yeah. Not, not really. I need to figure out how I'm going to construct anything around it. But Turning Red, a good movie, a good animated mm. movie. So um, Pixar. Yes, to start Pixar, with Pixar. Pixar, Pixar. Um, I don't know. I mean, can we get a? a, 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 a what are your favorite Pixar's? Um, off the dome. Let's get. Let's do. Let's do a Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> so <laughs> like, actually, be wrong. So off the um, dome, the best Pixar's. I did. I did check my Pixar list before starting. Yeah, so, okay. so I do remember. I would say my favorite is definitely Ratatouille. I have a lot of mm-hmm. love for Up as well. Uh, big fan of The Incredibles. Um, those would be probably my top three. Okay, I mean, two of those are okay. Up has a absolutely spectacular opening sequence, and the rest of the film is pretty good. Um, but I don't know, like, it is all down from there. You'd think it'd be up. Um, the Incredibles is way more into fascist art than I'm into. Um, okay. In I mean, like I, I will say. Yeah, take anything I'm saying here with mostly a grain of salt because it's been a while since I've seen most of these. Um, could probably do with a, a work through their filmography, but yeah, there's there's there's, there's a flirtation with objectivism in in The Incredibles that um, is is light, is very very light, very very slight, but it's just uh, but it is a very good movie. It is very very funny, um, and I, I did like the sequel as well. I thought the sequel was, yeah, was, was fun. The sequel's if, pretty good, if, if not great. Um, I really love Wally. Um, I think Wally is spectacular. Um, I love a Toy Story. Um, as Toy Stories are all great. Um, I'm trying to think of like what else. I don't. Know. Just, for for a long time, Pixar were just very very good. Of oh, yeah. like just the the the, the, the dependable people. Um, all of those movies are great for a while, and then they kind of went into a bit of a funk of kind of like sequel fatigue. Definitely, yeah. Um, there's a few I haven't seen. Um, I've not seen 
it, the lost dinosaur is them isn't it yes i have also i think that might be the only one i haven't seen i've not um, seen finding dory either um, it's fine there's a cool I've octopus owned... it's like a good technical movie but not much else you know I have seen Monsters Universite. I know what you're thinking. That movie's not called Monsters Universite. What are you talking about? Um, I've only seen it in France in French. I don't speak French. My French is okay, and my French was not as good then. Um, Emma and I went to oh, see it <laughs> in the cinema, and both really enjoyed it. So if you don't know any of what the dialogue means in that movie, and you can just enjoy... Because it, it makes you look at all the fun visual humor. That that right. very slow snail that doesn't get to school at the beginning. <laughs> That's a great gag. So Monsters Universite, I'm a big fan of. I have no idea what Monsters University is like. I don't know. But Universite yeah. is great. I don't remember it too well. I didn't, don't remember liking it very much at all. I would say it's definitely in the three or four Pixar movies that I would say I dislike. Um, oh, at least compared French, to most of them. I have not tried it in French. Maybe that would change my it's perspective on, on Monsters yeah. University. Um, Cars yeah. 2 is horrendous. I don't really like the first I've Cars I've not seen either. Cars 2. I've heard oh, a thing about God. Cars 3 and what it does to Cars 1 and Cars 2. Um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thing I know about the Cars factors. I've seen Cars and I've not seen 2 or 3. I guess I should watch Cars 2 and Cars 3. I haven't seen 3 because 2 was so bad that I just couldn't imagine 3 being worth watching at all. And I already didn't like the first one. So Well, Vaughn, I'm watching Cars 2 and then we're watching Cars 3. <laughs> okay, that sounds we'll good. We'll back. There you go. Um, um, I hear Cars 2 has torture in it. Oh, God. It, I think it does. I think you're right. Yeah, like zero yeah, Cars. Because it's like 30. a spy thriller. Um, it's just, mm, it's a mess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Recently, then, um, Pixar, I, I don't know. Their, their recent output has been interesting. And we're now in that weird yeah. zone of a ball. We're back in a zone, but we'll confuse the Disney Studios with Pixar because it used to be you can tell the Pixar because they're the good ones. Right. Um, people keep telling me that Encanto is a Pixar movie. It is not. Um yeah. because it is of a, a level of quality that we used to only give to to Pixar. So before this was Luca. Yeah. Luca's pretty good. I like Luca. I definitely it's it's nice. You know, there's not a whole lot to it. It's not particularly special, but I think mm. it's a pleasant movie. Here's a fun thing. Then okay. the previous three movies before turning red can you name them and then can you rank them uh yeah again because i was looking at my list it would be before turning red would be luca uh okay. onward and soul okay okay and i <laughs> i feel like this is bait because you don't like soul um, <laughs> soul would be my favorite of the three and then luca and then uh onward is not oh good. my god exact opposite exact opposite <laughs> you like onward the most yeah, onward's fine I'm, I'm, I'm wow. fine onward, onward is enjoyable and fine and the other two are like legitimately huge disappointing in key ways like they, they have like key moral failings <laughs> at least onward has no moral failings it's, it's an okay movie it's, it's kind of okay. fun interesting um it does what it needs to do it does it quite sweetly and i think like its moral core is actually really really nice and it has a a very very good and well articulated message um i think the queer baiting of luca is grotesque and i think the racism in soul is terrible <laughs> so um, there you go valid reasoning I, I yeah i mean i do like what onward is going for i just don't really care about the setting and i yeah, it's not great. Don't, it's not yeah. a great movie. It's it's it's, it's fine, um, but yeah. It, so, Turning Red, I think, is really good. I love Turning Red. It is their best film, I think, since Coco. You know what? I haven't seen Coco. I forgot oh, about Coco that. Coco is incredible. Coco is top tier. <laughs> Probably why it's not Coco. at the top of my list because I just haven't mm. seen it yet. I think I had started it a long time ago and ended up not finishing it. And just one of those things I haven't gotten back to. So I should do that. 
Oh yeah, so I, I would I would say that Turning Red is the best since Coco. Um, okay, and if if not, then then since Toy Story three, I guess I don't know. Like I feel like that those are the, the the two last really big ones. I don't think you like Turning Red quite as much as I do. Um, not quite I read as much. Your review of it, and I it was very very good review, and it touched on the things that I liked about it quite a lot. But I. I hate this kind of discourse, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. That thing of being like, because often, and I'm the same as you, of in a review, you don't feel the need to critique something. You're just like, I wrote what I enjoyed right. about this. And sometimes it's just the level of enjoyment. It's right. not that there are issues with it. It's the level of enjoyment being being lower. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But what do you, what do you, have you got against this movie? Why don't you like it? I don't. I wouldn't say I have anything why, against it. I like it. I like it a lot. Why don't I love it? I think... Um, I think just occasionally the energy is a little too frantic for me, just personal taste wise. I don't think it's necessarily a fault with the movie. There were just times where I felt like it was just a little too much. And I was like, this is a little overbearing, but that's mostly it. I mean, I think it's visually, I like that it feels so different from most of Mm -hmm. what Pixar has been doing for the last maybe ever. I mean, it's so distinct and visually awesome. And I just had a lot of fun with it, but yeah, I think it was just that kind of, occasionally it dipped over to a place where i was like this is just not quite matching my energy yeah i think like obviously because animation takes so long right. to, to make that i mean obviously it was not inspired by mitchell's versus machines it could not have been um there is no way that it could have done but the the way that it though i guess we could say it was inspired by spider-verse like the, like yeah. the way that it plays with animation styles which i've not seen um pixar do before and it doesn't do that to anywhere near the intensity of spider-verse for sure and then mitchell's is not quite as intense as spider-verse either but the way that it involves other styles of animation um, yeah. as a way of accentuating character and narrative i think it just it looks stunning and then when it gets into the actually i remember i, I quite like brave i don't love brave brave is okay yeah um, i would agree with that but brave was one of the first ones i watched and i was like this is just technically astonishing and yeah you you made this movie around that you've made hair look good and i feel like some of the pixar movies were just like for like Wally, like we we've made metal look good. This is the metal movie, right? <laughs> like we've made hair look good. This is the hair movie, and they were good enough to make it work. Or they found a great reason in, and this is feels like they got fur real, real good. Like fur is <laughs> real good in this movie. So this is the fur is good movie. This is the furry movie. Well, and Monsters Inc was that first, and now it's, so this is <laughs> like they're an updated version of that. You know, the, being that being a '90s movie. Or 2000? Was that 2001? Can't remember exactly. I don't know. Do you, what, what I think about a lot, actually, and I don't know why I think about this a lot, <laughs> I do, is um, I remember for ages, video game marketing would say things like, it will be like playing Toy Story. And in my head, I'm like, well, we're not there yet. And then every now and then I go back and look at Toy Story, like, oh God, Toy Story does not look good at oh, all. Yeah. Toy Story looks terrible. Toy Story does not look good. It's real bad. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, well, one day video games will be like as good as Toy Story. I'm like, no, they've yeah. loved this past that a while For 10 ago. years, 20 years. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah. One day, one day. Which one day. is great because that means that one day I'll be playing a video game and it will look as good as Turning Red. That's true. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. And then who knows what animation will look like. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, but it's, it's diminishing returns, though, isn't it? Of like, yeah, the there becomes a, a a Pixar boringness. I think in Calvin's great review of Luca, he talks about like there are there are key Pixar critiques, and one of them is that the people kind of look bland and kind of like the right. same. And Luca at least get, gave some like plasticity to the people; they looked more like cartoonish and like yeah. enjoyable. Um, and I feel this again is more oh, yeah. impressionistic in its design. It's really, really good. I'm I obviously don't disagree with your not vibing with it because obviously you didn't vibe with it and that's absolutely fine um but for me 
I really, 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 I, you don't need to specifically relate to a film. Right. Um, because it can be about opening your eyes to different experiences. And to a great extent, this film does do that to me as well, because it's obviously in a very different position for myself. Um, but also a lot of this film was very, very relatable to me of like, it is set similarly to Lady Bird, actually, which is a film that I really, really adore of. It is set in an era that I grew up in and, and yeah. really, really recognize. And it gets that completely right. And just like this group of just like, just like nerdy idiots <laughs> were just so much like my friends at school to the extent that one of my like old school friends who I'm in like passing contact with, um, but like not as much as I should be, would like to be just like sent them a message being like, you seen turning red because that was just like you people that, that, that was you people at school that was just you exactly and they're like yeah i know i agree um like just their dynamic and relationship right. was so great flashbacks to that those those dorky people hanging out in the library oh, that's great yeah oh, just absolutely fantastic and flashing forwards um there are students that i have taught um very very recently that i look at and just see as like quirky cool weird kids i'm like ah yeah okay you've really nailed this that is that is that is a type of child um right. good job on capturing children yeah i guess that's true your environment that you generally are in would probably lend itself better to these kinds of stories i would think mm. and therefore when they really work their audience right. speak directly to them but also replicate that audience which it's like i mean we'll, we'll talk about sonic soon but that's a, a reason i don't like sonic the hedgehog 2 at all it's <laughs> <laughs> a very bad movie um i didn't like hate it like it's you know like had a decent enough time in cinema even though it's a, a bad movie of it just seems like so it's not doing anything for its audience at all right it doesn't care about speaking to them it just cares about being a noisy thing that would distract them and make them want to buy toys about it for like two hours whereas turning red really cares about who it's depicting and why it's depicting and what it could do through that depiction yeah i think that's wonderful I, i love that we're getting more things like that that feel so specific but they are universal with their specificity. You know, mm. I think that's just yes. a great way to build a film and it works really well in this movie. Yeah, I mean, to, again, make myself the least popular person in this podcast every week, <laughs> um, a film that I was reminded of was The Worst Person in the World, um, which I didn't really like very much. And the reason I didn't really like The Worst Person in the World very much is I felt like every third scene was the film being like, isn't this relatable? Isn't this universal? Right. Isn't this everything? And I feel the more and more a film feels like it's trying to. That's why I don't like Tree of Life that much as well, actually. Um, which again, I'm just making <laughs> that thing of being like, it's so just like wants to be microcosmic or so wants to be surrogate for everybody's experience. Um, I feel Worst Person in the World is almost that wonderful movie that I love so much of by really focusing in on a specific experience, it makes universal experience, but then it just becomes sporadic and it, it wants to be yeah, I get that. existential. Whereas Turning Red and Ladybird actually are like, we're going to really, really encapsulate this person's way that they experience life. And through that, you will see yourself and you'll see life and you'll see humanity. And that is the way to be evocative. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it, yeah, it works really well here. And I, even though I do like worst person in the world a lot more than you, I totally understand that, that criticism, because I do think that generally when you have something that dials in on that specificity, it ends up working out in the long run much better than things that try their hardest to be universal. I, I will, I will bring critique to the film though. And um, there are bits about it that I don't love, 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 love and did not really get, get to in a review because there was, there's no need to just like rally pile on. Right. Um, there are some things I would look for better voices than my own on this, but there are some things about the casting of specific people that just goes to be a bit like certain. I mean, 
one of the realities of casting is always you need to have a big name in roles to get even yeah. in a Pixar film, even in animation, which I don't say to, to limit animation, it's just that people don't really see that star appeal of a particular actor being it, then obviously seeing the actor act and hearing the actor. But um, one of the main voices in Turning Red is clearly there because they are famous and they are a, a very good voice actor, but maybe it's not the exact right fit for the character and very much speaks to a... And again, I don't want to overstate because it's not hundreds of my place. It's to like a eh, close enough kind of thing, um, gotcha. which is a shame when it does the rest of it very, very well. Right. Um, links to that character. Um, I do think the mum is overdone in the film. I think in the first yeah. act, there are some really good setups for an actual realistic, awkward, overbearing parent. And it goes to like times 12 comedic and like yeah. the 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 store is it a grocery store i forget yeah this is the convenience store i know what you're talking about that, that scene is I just agree. too much and it, it and it, it, it was such a really realistic scene of like found embarrassing thing and it cut the core of that scene from being like oh yeah. that's brilliant too well this is just silly now how do we get beyond that like the way that she embarrassed her daughter cut away from the actual humanity of that relationship um, and the one she turned up at school as well. So th- those bits did not work for me. They felt really overdone in a way that was a touch disappointing. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that there's just that definitely that mom character. Like, I think there are those pieces that are a little bit overdone and then it doesn't quite, I think, handle with what it sets up very well. Like it sets up this whole thing about kind of how her repressing her feelings and like the things she struggled with has caused her issues later in life to be larger you know and that's kind of the whole kaiju metaphor that comes in at the end but i don't think that it kaiju movie it is and it's wonderful i love when that moment happened i was like oh steven's gonna love this yeah and there's and there's a petite <laughs> mom it goes from godzilla to petite yeah. mom so um, um, perfect but just that and then when it comes down from that i don't think it really ends up paying off that aspect mm. of it that it set up which was a little disappointing and i think could be easily missed if you know you didn't catch it on the first go around yeah i think actually weirdly my my complaints of this are similar to my complaints about up really of the sense of i feel the reasons when it doesn't work though it does work all the way but it kind of like doesn't work to that higher level is that it feels dragged down by the needs to be a certain formula and i feel like a a pixar yeah yeah. these beats work in this order formula gets into like up it's just like well let's just make an adventure story i'm like it didn't need to be an adventure story it could have been a much more like metaphorical and it's it's why i wish i liked soul more because i feel like soul actually does step away from that i feel outside of my moral issues with it i feel the ending is just a huge just like cop out it just isn't very very good because they don't really commit to the existentialism of it right um but i think turning red is that sense of its issues my friend diego was said this to me as well of like the things that don't work about it are the the pixar formulaic things and when it's not in pixar formulaic mode it's wonderful it's, it's kind of brilliant in spite of its very core narrative structure um but its character yeah. structure is great yeah yeah i think you're right. It is very like formulaic and basic and like that, just that normal structure of it that it kind of has to follow and it follows it very well. But I think it's the things around that, you know, like just the animation being beautiful and the characters being well-written, like that really elevates it beyond what that simple construction is, which works well, but it is a shame that they feel like they can't go outside of that formula. And it's, and I think we'd be remiss um, if we were not to mention the way that the movie um, comments on issues, and issues is not the right word, but I can't think of the right word always, 
of topics around people um, that have periods um, and the candidness of which it talks about yes. periods yeah, absolutely. Um, is, is really important. And I've, I know people who have slightly like, have reacted poorly to it not because of the intolerant things obviously there is a there is a whole sphere of the internet and culture that's been like don't talk about periods in a, in a movie and it's like i hate you um, <laughs> right that's just <laughs> we're not even gonna get them airtime eh. um but then there are some that have said that they actually think it's the opposite of the that it is kind of like belittling and and silly and like the hyperbolic thing but i'm like right. i feel it actually very well captures of presents real things and uses real language to talk about it and i think i understand the critique that if it was just a simple metaphor it would be simplistic but it's not just a simple metaphor i think this like this larger monster it's not just period monster like it's very easy to be like look that's yeah. a period monster it's not that it is a much wider metaphor that it includes those aspects but it's just a wider metaphor for feeling that you are something that you are not in control of and feeling like the yeah. thing that you are is growing out of your control. It's about development. It's about adolescence. It's about growth. And that's why it becomes universal because it is a multifaceted metaphor. And people that are saying, oh, it's just a very like rote simplification. I think the movie is a lot smarter than that. Um, should be given more credit. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that's disingenuous and a bit reductive to that pe people that just reduce it down to just that and saying oh it's just this movie it's just this one simple metaphor when it you know it obviously isn't it's obviously much more than that and that is kind of the point of what that goes to the goes to the point of the specificity becoming universal thing because it includes this and it is obviously that aspect of it is not for everybody but when you then include all of these other things that it also represents then that's when it you know becomes something else and that's when people like you and I even though we don't have that aspect of it that's relatable to us we can still find things in the movie yeah. to relate to and, and see ourselves in it's a it's a, it's a great uh, I thought to call it a fertile metaphor which is maybe not the, but, it, but it is it is it is a great yeah. just like central symbol that you can really attach things onto and that, that, that's what I always want out of like metaphorical cinema so yeah I think turning red is really, is really really good um and a real return to solid form for Pixar who have been disappointing me for a little bit now yeah it definitely feels like the last couple things you know in particular like at least for me um like Onward and Luca like they were fine and enjoyable enough but nothing that you really think back on like those yeah. aren't movies that I really have too much drive to revisit but like this feels like everything about it is wonderful it's wonderful to look at there's so much it's yeah. just so rich visually and like this is something that I would absolutely revisit and hopefully like even more yeah well it's great because like it, it it's it's I like that Pixar are, are brilliant and the, the it you get that once sometimes be just like yeah Pixar whatever like there's, there's others <laughs> and right. like you're like oh you know Sony Animation are doing so well right now and like Disney mainstream are doing so well right now it's but like you know what it's great that the Pixar are also doing brilliantly as well um it's good to have the three back um so do we have any correspondence on turning yes. red or on linked topics um so just for those of you who maybe didn't see the message um if you are not in the Twin Geeks Discord server. Which you should be. Go to twingeeks.com, press community, and <laughs> yes. join the server. And Absolutely join the server. Tell me about the tree of life. Um, but we put out the sort of the call. We're going to try and start doing this as a bit of a segment on the show. People can send us emails with questions or their comments on whatever movie we're talking about, hmm. and we'll read them on the show. I have read all of these in advance. Stephen has not heard any of them. Nope. 
Yeah, we read, we read all your emails, and by we, I mean yeah. Vaughn does. I do not, they get programmed. <laughs> I, will, I will read though, them to Stephen, and he will listen to them and comment yeah. on them. Though, if there is a question that's sent in that, I mean, we like to give off-the-cuff takes here, but sometimes if you ask us a very sincere question, I mean, we will pre-prepare. So yes. if there is a sense of you want to know what are films to recommend, blah, 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 we'll make sure to have, like, so it's not just me being like, I don't know, deathbed, the bed, the eggs, whatever. <laughs> What's and there that? is there is one question in here that we received that I did not. It was directed towards me. I did not have time to prepare a good answer, so I will answer that on a later episode. Um, oh, oh, very good. But <laughs> um, I'll say right now, and then I'll say it again at the end of the episode when we talk about what we're going to be doing next. Um, but if you have questions or comments, then send them to thinkingofspoiling at gmail .com. Thinking of spoiling at gmail.com. Yes. And also, if you want to, oh, that's the best way to contact us. However, when we post our letterbox post for, or I do for the podcast episode, if you want to write in the comments there and say, can you read this out as a comment? That is another way that you can get in touch. Yeah, I'll start to, uh, I should probably be posting them on letterbox as well. So I'll start doing that and we can uh, so have more to ways to correspond. Yeah. More ways, more ways, more ways. Absolutely. So, what are the people saying about? Anything. Right. I've noted anything. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll read, the, I'll try and read them in order of starting with talking about the movie. And then we've got a couple that are more outside cool. of the film. Um, so this is from our dear editor in chief, Calvin. Um, hey, Calvin. <laughs> wonderful to see the film's success and the director now taking a leadership role at Pixar. What can anim mm. animation learn from Pixar's latest? And what are your sp spirit animals and what do they do? Oh, God. Hmm. <laughs> 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 But to address the the first part, I think it is, I agree, it's totally wonderful to see this film, you know, being so widely, I mean, obviously there are those pieces of people that don't, are not liking it, but it's, seems like it's gotten a lot of universal appeal and that people really like it. Um, and I agree, it's been great to see that the director, I uh, believe her name is Domi, Domi Shi, um, well, has been promoted to a, a higher up position in, in Pixar. I believe the director actually did my maybe my favorite pixar thing um uh bow i believe yeah, yeah, did. yeah. yes um, yes which bow is like is is like as a short i think is pixar's best short and I remember it's just, wonderful just seeing, seeing that in the cinema and being genuinely shocked and amazed by this like like horrific yeah. very very funny yeah no it's, it's amazing i remember there being like i believe do you remember which film that was played before yeah it's in I want to say it's Incredibles 2. I think you're right. I feel like I remember there being like almost controversy around Bao when it released. Like people didn't understand what the central metaphor was or something. Yeah. I don't recall oh. exactly, but. My partner had to explain Bao to her much older boss. <laughs> 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 The boss was like, so when I see that Pixar movie, I'm going to be as vague as possible. It's like, there's that short game. Didn't really get it. It's like, oh my God, I can't remember how to explain this very... <laughs> I, I, it was a very beautifully clear yeah, metaphor. I thought so too. I remember like going into the theater and like having seen all this discourse playing out and I was like, I bet this isn't that complicated. And I watched it and I was like, what are people... <laughs> like, what are... I don't even understand like what people were missing in that exactly. I agree. It's very clear. If it, if it was Incredibles 2, I hope it was, because actually I went to see an early screening of Incredibles 2. Um, so therefore, I, if it was for that film, then I'd have seen it with any oh, yeah. knowledge at all. Um, but yeah, I remember just, I, I had heard nothing about, well, what, however the case, I had heard nothing about Bao before I saw Bao. Um, and Bao is just the best, the best place to go, I think. Um, but sorry, the, what was the initial premise of this question? The initial premise about animation? Um, just 
wonderful to see the film's success. The director now taking a leadership role at Pixar. What can animation learn from Pixar's latest was the initial premise of the first half here. You first. Ooh, um, I mean, I think this really just speaks to animation can take that note of let's get more and more specific and stop trying to be so, yeah. you know, pandering and generalizing everything. Hey, I see you did that because it was about panda. It was about panda. It's pandering. Yeah. Very good. Very, I wish that good. had been more intentional. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that a general movement towards that and being more specific and bringing in more of that cultural specificity is just, that's exactly what animation needs. And these different voices and these different people rather than something that feels homogenous and boring. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. I think if anything to be learned from this, it's that wider perspectives are not just the sole focus of live action film. I feel like right. live Absolutely. action cinema has been like, obviously not in the mainstream sense, but more so in the mainstream sense of being like showing wider cinematically atypical voices and animation has not been doing that like you, you see diversity in animation when you see it being folkloric which is very very depressing and that's, that's why Luca was so depressing of being like it was almost something and there was not something so I think what is to be learned from Turning Red specifically is specificity um, is really, really important and that you can directly engage with topics that may feel uncomfortable if it's still important to engage with them and that's fine like Luca felt cowardly of that sense of they'll have two characters in a in a sequence riding a bike together, two male characters riding a bike together and hugging on a big rainbow road, and you're like, yeah, get it, but then they won't right do anything. Not, with doesn't that. commit to like, it, yeah. They won't like even imply in a a romantic relationship. They won't like have right a, a hug. They won't have a kiss or anything. Whereas this, bam, straight up there. And I didn't think that Pixar would do that. I thought that in the Disney machine, they would be scared of anything that create controversy. And I think this film's success, and it has been very successful, shows that the audience that will support you are more important than the audience that will admonish you. You know there are assholes right. out there who are going to rail against you for anything. Um, you will get a better, more passionate, more loyal fan base by doing the things that need to be done, um, rather than being motivated by how to just be inoffensive in the broadest, like most cynical way. Yeah, absolutely. You'd rather, it's better to appeal to that vocal subset and the people that are really going to support your film and love it and endear yourselves to them rather than just like again pandering to everyone and the reaction is just kind of nothing and it doesn't stick into anything because it's really for no one and, and the last thing to learn from it is that the voices that will um bring more to your studios are the voices that have not been heard before um, yes. And I feel, I mean, again, it's a homogenous world out there, needs to be so. Um, and the success of this hopefully will lead to a greater diversification because it's great that a person, this director is now in more of a influential position. Right. It's a shame that, that there was no one like that before. That this is, it's a shame that it has to be a new story. It's great that it is a new story. It's a shame that it has to be a yeah, new story. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's also been. I think proven especially by Sony who have done things like Spider-Man and Mitchell's but like just seeing even more of it like now Pixar doing this where it's like it feels much more distinct visually and trying to do new, unique things with animation like I hope that reverberates out into the industry continuing on because seeing something that feels different and not just film after film that have the same visual style is, is great to see. 
I have a very cynical take. Do you hear my very cynical take? Um, I'm interested for sure. My very cynical take is it. It's actually kind of a. There's a slightly worrying precedent because then it makes it totally reliant on a success barrier that doesn't apply to other people. Turning red could have been bad, and that would have been fine. And my worry would be turning was bad. They'd be like, "Well, let's keep doing it with the certain 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 people." Right. It's such a shame. This is why. Um, oh God, what Captain Marvel was so disappointing the reaction towards it of it feels like a certain kind of film needs to be perfect otherwise it's letting the world down and that burden puts upon certain creators is just such a horrific nightmare that it's why they have to prove themselves to this nth degree when everyone else is failing upwards when like Roland Emmerich is out there making like the biggest like independent movie of all time oh, because God. he just can. Yeah. So like it's it's just the the ability to fail upwards of so many whereas people of wider identities that are not shown on film just have to be perfect and have to be brilliant it's great that turning red is great and it's great that's like a success but it didn't shouldn't have had to be brilliant um to have a degree of minor concrete change no i totally agree with that i don't think that's necessarily a cynical take at all i think that's just that's the reality of it and it's unfortunate that it is the reality of it um but nonetheless it's wonderful to see when something yeah. does does connect and does do successfully and is impacting positively um, now to move on along the lines, we have a second email here that is along the lines of Calvin's second question. So I'll read this before we, we get to our answer, but from Murph, we have, if, <laughs> if your family had an ancestral animal guardian, what do you think it would be? Which will go along with our sort of spirit animal question from Calvin. Uh, he also adds, you are free to contemplate the consequences of you turning into said animal as an allegory for puberty, but it's not a fursona thing. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> gosh um that's very very difficult this is a, it's it a is. great question and a difficult question um i just moved my chair to reveal a paddington bear behind me so that that's making me thinking about <laughs> that's paddington bears. a very good spirit um, animal to be i would say yeah um i'm going to notably i'm gonna i'm gonna i thank you murph because i'm gonna i'm gonna avoid the phrasing of, of spirit animal where possible because i i feel that there may be like specific cultural connotations that i will want to not invoke lightly um, fair enough and I don't know the legitimacy of the usage of that phrase. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to evade that. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to make up an animal. I'm going to say okay. that my ancestral <laughs> animal is a Totoro, and I'm going to Totoro. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like, I mean, that's, that's definitely not what I was expecting, where I was expecting that to go, but I can't argue with that. I Totoro. That's totally fair. Is, yeah. is Totoro, I'm now curious, and there's probably an answer for this, that you probably don't know either, but I'm curious if he is based on anything specific or is he a total original creation? Um, yeah, he's based on my neighbor. <laughs> God damn it. I was, ready, <laughs> I was ready for that to be a real answer. <laughs> my, my neighbors, the Yamadas, yeah, he's based on them. Uh, I don't know if I have a great answer for this. Uh, Totoro is definitely a better answer than I could probably come up with. Um, I wasn't planning on going fictional with it. Um, but now that Stephen has gone fictional with it, uh, I think that my family's ancestral animal guardian will be Gamera. Um, oh, nice. And he will protect us. <sighs> my actual answer is capybaras because capybara is the best. So. Oh, that's a really good answer. Uh, my actual answer that I was considering was raccoons because I also like raccoons. Ah, I could see a raccoon behind you as well. So I was, I was actually thinking to say that. <laughs> little, little rubbers, the little masks. Yeah, I think awesome. little, little hands. I love it. Not, a, tan not a tanuki. You're going to go for a tanuki instead? No. Going, going with, okay, going with the raccoon. Kids. Okay, cool. You, you do that. similar enough, but 
I'll, maybe what, I'll see Pam. Well, I haven't seen Pompoko. I have to watch Pompoko and then I'll have a better, either. better opinion on Tanuki's. <laughs> yeah. I've used a Tanuki suit um, in Super Mario Bros. 3, and then it made me oh, yeah. very warm to Tanuki's. I'm pro Tanuki. Uh, hold on. All right. Another email here. We've got several questions here from David. Hi, hey, hey, spoilers. Longtime listener, big fan of the show. I have a couple questions for both Stephen and Vaughn. I would love if you guys could find the time to answer them. So one of these I want to have a great answer for, but I've not had time <laughs> for a great answer. So David, I will get back to this question. Oh, God, you need to but... listen. That, that, that we've guaranteed one <laughs> listener for the next episode. <laughs> That's what yes. I'm going to do. I'm going to try and hook people on every time. Yeah. Um, Stephen, mm. if Vaughn were a Wong Kar Wai movie, which would he be and why? Oh, which would he be in one car? Why? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is the obvious answer? And I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to give it because everyone knows. Everyone, everyone knows that that Vaughn has a specific favorite one car one movie that is kind of like the kind of like B side, slight alternative pick because it's cool and stylish and like and funky. And, and Vaughn is all of those things. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but I'm going to say that okay. Vaughn. Vaughn is the grandmaster. Vaughn is the grandmaster. Okay. Um, because, I'm not mad about that. No, I mean, because I, I feel that Vaughn, Vaughn should be appreciated more um, in so many ways. Well, thank and you. Has, and, you know, can, can surprise and can go beyond <laughs> just what you think they can do. Like, it's not just like, you watch the other one car movies, you're like, oh yeah, that's one car Y. One car Y can do that. But Vaughn is more than that. So Vaughn is the grandmaster because it's got that, that martial arts style. It's just, it's cool. It's effortlessly cool. It's got some legitimacy to it, but it's different. But you know, it just works, and not enough people recognize it for the brilliance that it is. Wow, that was a very thoughtful answer. Thank you, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> and you're masterful and grand. Sweet. I mean, I do love the Grandmaster, and more people mm. should love the Grandmaster. I feel like it is. I agree. It's underappreciated in his. And you are, and you, you, you're a champion of, of film in that way of being like, you know, this little thing over there. So absolutely, I feel like that's that. That or Ashes of Time. No, not Ashes of Time. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Ashes of Time, so I don't know how Fine. insulting that is. <laughs> um, actually, it, it is good. Ashes of Time is good, um, but it's it's not the most comprehensible of movies. Yeah. Um, I'll have to get to it soon. I need to finish off. I've got like two of his movies. I think it's just Ashes of Time and uh, My Blueberry Nights, which I'm not looking forward to watching. Oh, God, I, I should have said that. Have, I should have said <laughs> My Blueberry Nights. <laughs> I think that will really bring down my average <laughs> for Wong Kar Wai. Maybe it's all. Um, all right, next question is for me. What's the most ideal film to watch on an Apple Watch screen? <laughs> oh, God, that's a good question. Um, well, the obvious answer is Tenet. You got to get all the big action, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christopher Nolan's style and stunts, that huge plane that he blew up, put that right onto your, onto your wrist there. But I actually thought about this. Um, I tried to pick the best thing yeah. that could maybe work. It's, it's very hard. There's probably no good answer. I don't recommend that anybody watch anything on an apple watch screen um i went with uh kiarostami's 24 frames would be the best film to watch on an apple seen. watch and i'm not seeing um, you know what so maybe i'll watch it on an apple watch i'd be curious what your experience is yeah. i guess it would be hard to hold your watch up for two hours but 24 frames is 24 still shots that don't move so it's uh, very easy you always know what you're so looking like at. a so legette would be another good answer then yes that's true that would be a good answer and that's a lot shorter than 24 frames so I'm gonna say Derek Jarman's blue. See, that was I was I was thinking about that, and I thought that would be a good answer, but I haven't watched it yet, so I couldn't really. <laughs> I didn't think it was be a good. <laughs> um, also, here's my here's my real answer for which watch an Apple Watch. Okay. Watchmen. 
<laughs> Who watches the Apple Watch? But everything is a pun with you. <laughs> no, but then you can, you know, Watchmen. I mean, one because it means you can't see the movie very well, and that's even better because that movie's awful. Who watches so. the Watchmen on their watch? Yeah, who watches the Apple Watchman? So yeah, watch Watchman on your Apple Watch. So you can um, watch them while you watch them. Mm. Well, I've got, <laughs> I've got an even better question for you. The next question yeah. for Stephen: Name five five films with a duck off the top of your head. How are the duck? The Mighty Ducks one, the Mighty Ducks two, the Mighty Ducks three, <laughs> and Babe one and two. Okay, well, you got there. That was pretty easy. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think I could have done that that fast. I feel like the Mighty Ducks three times is kind of a cop out. Are there <laughs> even three of those movies? <laughs> well, you know, just assuming. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Give it up. I like ducks. All right, and then there is one final question that I will wait until next time to read. Um, there you go. I, I want to come up with a good answer. Um, so thank you, David, for the email. We've got our final email for today is from Will, and I've got quite a lot to read here. So. Excuse me in advance if I stumble over any of this. Turning Red is great. Pixar was Kid Me and even Adult Me's favorite film studio, but between broadening horizons, changing tastes, and maybe some perceived and or real fall off in quality on the studio's part, that kind of went away in time. So it's a real pleasant surprise to see something fresh and exciting from them again for me. I'd even go as far as to say this is the most I've enjoyed any of their work since Ratatouille. To be clear, it's not fully exempt from the issues that have kind of weighed down even their more recent works, a formulaic three-act narrative that tidies up yep. a bit too nicely by its end, and funnels material that can work just fine on its own through a traditional conflict lens. But it does deviate most dramatically of anything they've done from their median house art style animation. For lack of a more educated way to put it, in exchange for a wonderfully expressive and narrative character fitting look. And even if its story stumbles into the same pitfalls Pixar has been doing forever, I found it more—I found its more personal focus to make for a more thematically resonant and rich experience despite it. Perhaps most surprising, though, is how personal it felt even to me, someone who definitely doesn't match of the particulars associated with May. I'm not female Chinese, and I didn't grow up in Toronto or in an urban environment, period. Nonetheless, I found a lot of my own struggles in the core conflict depicted in the film, that desire to compartmentalize aspects of ourselves and only let certain people see certain sides. The fear of even letting our true expressions come forth, lest some parent or admired figure find out and disapprove. So despite its incredible specificity insofar as Pixar works go, I found more truth and general life observation here than any of their ostensibly broader works. Okay, I'll concede that I was a 2000s teen and seeing that era depicted with this level of specificity and nostalgia it's given here did hit for me, so it's not all that. It's not all mismatch. I could talk more about the film, but this email is already getting long, and that's the rather important bit as far as my experience went. Pleased that my love of hair with Pixar doesn't have to be a thing of the past. That's, a, that's an incredible email. Um, Very wonderful email. So, Thank you. So well. beautifully articulated. And I feel like you actually touched on the things that we tried to touch on earlier, Brad did so much more eloquently. Um, but that's the beauty of the written word, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, as we know, the, the film is awesome. Um, and I really resonate with that thing of the old Pixar versus new Pixar. I feel like when I was at school, right. a new Pixar film coming out was just like, just guaranteed gold star event, but like, it'll be great because it's Pixar. And that was just so the case for so long. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what the movie was that really changed that and whether it deserved with that. I mean, even like Cars, I remember when Cars came out and it felt that like, obviously we now know the person behind Cars is not a great human being. Um, but um, it felt like it was at least a passion project for them that they actually did really love automobiles. So it felt like it actually like spoke from something and therefore to something. Right. Maybe it was like Cars Two that like why is there is like oh I guess Cars was was popular, but it wasn't made to be popular. 
Um, so I think when it seemed that every film was this like inspirational, just really great idea of what if this but this, it was like what if cars had feelings? What if I mean that's the Pixar joke, is yeah. what if Blah had feelings? And now it's what if what if <laughs> teenage girls had feelings? <laughs> it's, right, much more understandable. Yeah, yeah. it's like what if what if, and also obviously the apex of the feelings thing is what if feelings had feelings. It's true. Um, which which inside we out. Yeah, we didn't talk about Inside Out. I Inside like Inside Out. Brilliant. It's it's great. Yeah, brilliant. Wonderful movie. One of my only controversial about Inside Out is I think that the the Pixar short before Inside Out Lava I do not like at all. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't think I didn't see Inside Out in the theater, so I don't think I've seen that ah. short. Ah, it's it's got a weird like vaguely sexualized lady volcano oh. that was like how about we just don't <laughs> and i will say we didn't talk about it but that's kind of the thing that's missing you know it's it's such a it's such a bummer that yes. despite this film's success it was not released in theaters and it's great that it's found success at home but it's just so frustrating to see that pixar keeps getting pushed into just the home market and totally yeah. ignored in theaters because it's always <sighs> such an experience and like it's been relegated to that for so many years now just because of the pandemic and everything like when I saw Encanto, I did see it in theaters and it was great like having that experience again and you see the short beforehand and it's really wonderful to kind of feel that that Disney and Pixar thing that, that has been so, has always been there, you know, and to not yeah, have that it's... at home is such a, it's such a bummer. So I hope that for given this film's success that they can return to theaters by their next film, which I guess they I are because their next film is Lightyear, film. but. Oh uh, yeah, which I did. I've not watched anything about and just I'll watch another. Um, but turning red not being the cinema is 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 a cinematic crime. Um, I'd totally like to go back to, to to that wonderful email of that sense of Pixar was event cinema in that very strange right. way. Of like I would like speak to my parents of like oh that's the new Pixar film. And when I was speaking to people at work, I was like, I've seen turning red yet? They're like, what is that? I was like oh it's it's the new Pixar film. And it's there's something different about going to see the new Pixar film as opposed to me saying what's well, on. But then it also, there was also a, an instant accessibility. If I go, oh, yeah, you've got it already. Um, go home. You probably have Disney Plus. Watch it. That is great. But why, why not both? Um, Tony Red should be in the cinema and should be. There should be gaggles of young girls should go see this movie and just just love it. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I like that it's going to have the slumber party crowd, so he's got that going for it. But yeah, Pixar films—it's it, an attack on them, right? Like it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, it's it does too... feel like it, yeah. It it pushes their Jealousy. stuff out of the spotlight and yeah. you know puts the puts everything on what Disney's releasing, and which is just such so unfortunate. You know, was at, Raya the last did Raya and the Last Dragon, Raya, sorry, the Last Dragon come out of the cinema? I think it did. I don't know. I think that was that was maybe the last one that didn't come out because I, okay. I think that one didn't come out and then Encanto obviously did I, 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 something I, my brain, I, I thought that Raya got like maybe not day and date but I thought at some point it got a, a cinema run maybe I'm, maybe I'm completely wrong but yeah no, I don't Encanto have any memory of that but it's did. possible that it did um and great Encanto was very very good um so I'm happy that's in the cinemas um and again I mean Mitchell's versus the machines is only a Netflix movie and I would like this, to link to the Oscars and there are bits about the Oscars I don't want to talk about but there are bits I do um Lord and Miller um, wrote an open letter to the Oscars, I believe, talking about how animation needs to be taken seriously because there are like three jokes yeah. just out of the expense of animation. They're like, it's only for kids and no one cares and blah, blah, blah. Which is, I mean, it's, it's it's just ridiculous as a thing for them to be doing. I mean, even, it's just so stupid because, I mean, obviously yeah. 
the Oscars are stupid no matter what. You know, yes. there's not really <laughs> there's not really much redeemable about them. But it's frustrating when it's like you have this as a category that you're presenting at your main event. Like yeah. you've already sidelined to other or several other important mm. categories to be presented before the actual event, which yeah. was you know dumb in the first place. But now you have animation. It's one of your few remaining categories that you have left, and you're spending the whole night making fun of it and calling it like acting like it doesn't deserve to be there. And it's like yeah. it's just it doesn't. And also that for kids as a pejorative, like the fact that it like a, a wide appeal of cinema, like framing that as a negative, yeah. that like to actually, and again, to go back to Sonic, to actually properly not just entertain and pass the time of a child audience, but to actually like speak to them and make them want to talk about it and infuse them is, is a really, really like, like it's alchemy. It's, it's like almost impossible to do. Right. Um, and to limit it in like, oh, these are kids movies. It's just like, and like, also like, flea was nominated <laughs> it's very yeah it's like, definitely not a kids movie but it's uh, even like the you know the joke of it generally being that like animation oh it's just like the pixar award because that's who it always ends up going yeah. to but it's like those films are you know generally their wider recognition is that they are films that everybody enjoys and that adults enjoy too and so <laughs> to have this award that is generally pixar is always at least nominated for it and these are always films that everyone enjoys and then you're just saying that they're just it's just it's so stupid yeah i mean and you know there are terrible animated films that come out every year like that that evangelion movie everyone realized <laughs> awful um <laughs> steven once again working his hardest to be the least favorite member of the podcast <laughs> i like that evangelion movie a lot by the way hey then watch the stacks when it comes up because i i give i give my piece on that movie i will watch the stacks yeah, what's the stacks? That's what I'm saying. What's I can't stacks? write into the stacks, so no, you cannot <laughs> <laughs> stay out my DMs. Um, <laughs> so thank you for emailing in those that did, and please, um, it's just oh, that was nice. Throw more, throw more yeah. questions. Throw more questions at us. I enjoy just yeah, nice. answering a question. I enjoy that. So <laughs> Very please, fun. thinking of spoiling things at gmail.com. I've related to the film. So therefore, our next movies. So we usually record a couple at a time. Yes. Um, so also occasionally scheduling gets gets different right. but we are definitively going to do an after yang episode yes and a sonic the hedgehog 2 episode because we promised that we would yes we have we have stated that publicly so we have to keep our word now um but yeah those will be our next two movies so if you have thoughts on sonic the hedgehog 2 and or after yang uh please send them in you can send it as one email you can send it as multiple i'll parse through it and sort it out for us and I think going forwards, um, we should also solicit wider topics as well of interest. Um, so, but this time I'm going to say for, for After Yang, okay. I don't really know. I've not seen the movie. Um, <laughs> so I don't really know. Um, it's, a, it's a science fiction movie, right? Yes, it is. So any, 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 any wider content about science fiction film in general will, will be great. Um, and for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, anything about video game adaptations, I would love to have just oh, yeah, some emails about a video game, video game on film. Um, and also Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the Mega Drive game as well, just in general, if you've got just hot takes about the, sorry, the Sega Genesis game, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, or if you want to email me about Sonic and the Secret Rings, I will read that. Steven just wants to talk to everybody about Sonic. So send your emails in about Sonic as a character and everything about Sonic. Send I want at least fiction. one email about Sonic 06 <laughs> about that bit where Sonic kisses a human woman. Okay, well, hopefully someone can do that. And if nobody does, by the next time we record, I'll send an email I'm going to bring it up anyway. I'm going to mention it anyway. You might as well mention it via email. Um, so yeah, please uh, send us your email, your comments. And once again, 
thinkingofspoiling at gmail.com. And that uh, and you'll be spoiling us by doing that. That's why it's called that. Yes, exactly. That's perfect. Um, all right. So that's it for our listener mail segment. Um, mm-hmm. So now we talked about the movie. Now we're just going to do, I liked you started this on our Batman episode, just kind of off the cuff and it was a great idea. And so we're going to kind of run forward with at the mm. end of every episode, we're going to just do something we would recommend that we've watched recently, something we liked, just yeah. general recommendation of something that did not release recently that we have watched. Um, so mm. if you need, if you need a second to look, I do have mine written down. Um, but I recently watched John Woo's Bullet in the Head. I need to watch that. And we had a extensive discussion about it on the on the Discord server because everyone that has watched it has kind of subsequently just loved it even more and more. But instant favorite for me. It's just a phenomenal movie. I mean, everybody knows, you know, John Woo and his sort of penchant for explosive action and just insanity. Mm. But Bullet yeah, in the I, Head really I, takes the cake there. It's just absolutely incredible. I had a conversation with a colleague, well, a now ex-colleague, um, who may or may not be listening to this, I don't know, I know they've listened before, um, about um, Face Off. Um, and I thought, like, and we were both talking about a joint enjoyment of the movie Face Off. And they, then they mentioned in the same breath, Con Air. And I was like, no, I think Con Air's crap. Um, and then it became clear that the conversation was like, under the premise that both these movies are kind of like, eh, we're laughing oh. at them. I'm like, no, I think like, I, I do agree. Like Face Off is, is, is ridiculous, but there is like, John Woo can make a goddamn movie. In the way yeah, that absolutely. Um, so like Face Off is stupid and it is, you laugh at it for a lot of it, but also when it needs to be great, it's really goddamn great. Um, so like proper John Woo. I mean, I've seen Hard Boiled, um, but I'm not the most like John Woo versed. And I, I actually have on my recommendations list this year, my resolutions, from our good friend David, I have bullet in the head because he is such oh, a yeah. fan of it. Um, I almost yeah, I think it it'll I think it'll be really we'll up your it next week. It's it's fantastic. Um, so, yeah. Speaking of David, it's a very David centric episode. I'm going to recommend this to somebody. <laughs> I'm going to recommend this like little movie from 1957. Um, <laughs> Elia Kazan's A Face in the Crowd um, is an actual masterpiece. I mean, we obviously have big cinematic gaps, and you go back to fill off classics and. The thing with a lot of classics is you fear that it feels like a worthy thing to be doing and it feels like homework. It feels like you're like, I watched it and now I have watched it and I had to get in the mode. And every now and then you realize that certain classics are classics for a reason because they're just awesome and they're really, really fun. And The Face in the Crowd is a very, very intelligent movie and like deeply prescient and like is, is much more, I would say much more important a message now than it was then because it's about like media influence and the way okay. the media influences our life now is a very, oh, very yeah. different and much wider and therefore it's much more pertinent because it, it really gets it. Um, it's definitely of a piece with Network. It'll make a great double bill with Network. It's also very strangely of a piece with Wayne's World, I would say. <laughs> um, about the I selling expect that. <laughs> Wayne's World. Um, it would make a great double bill with that as well. Um, a face in the crowd is absolutely brilliant oh and also um they shoot horses don't they um which is another reminder of like a really great movie that's like dark clever intelligent the same one twice um but also just like very very funny um right. and a face in the crowd is is such fun and just such like brilliant energizing filmmaking in a way you're like man it's from 1957 i've not been a huge like azam fan before i've seen like his awful move about him being a bad person which was what i would call on the waterfront and i don't really like his streetcar adaptation very much um but yeah a face in the crowd it's a, cl- a classic for a reason if you've not watched it watch it i might watch it again quite soon it's really, I'll really have to watch it myself really brilliant. really brilliant 
And if I may be so bold, I have a suggestion or a recommendation that can come from both of us. Um, mm. Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes is a wonderful oh. film that everybody should watch. Um, yeah. That just has a ton hey. of fun with its very simple little premise. You listening, you liked One Cut of the Dead. You watched One Cut of the Dead. You really enjoyed <laughs> One Cut of the Dead. That's a movie you watched and enjoyed. And if you haven't, we'll watch that movie and enjoy it. Um, and you, feel, you thought, where's the fun like this? Well, it's not like that, but it's not not like that. <laughs> if you like one cut of the dead, you'll really yes, like Beyond the Absolutely. That's all I'm going to say. Watch it. I agree. It's great. I wanted to, I wanted to in my review say just watch the first two minutes, but it's, you need a little bit more than two minutes, Way. unfortunately. But keep watching two minutes, two <laughs> minutes, two minutes, two minutes. Um, uh, but yes, everyone should watch it. It's also, it's like a 80 minutes or even shorter than that. It's really nice, easy yeah. watch. Um, yeah. Just really fun little, fun little movie. Really yeah. good. Really, really great. Really, really great. Um, so yeah. Um, Apart from watching those great movies we've recommended, I will definitely watch Bullet in the Head. Cannot wait to watch that, though I will wait, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but you can find us elsewhere. Um, you can find our good friend Vaughn here. Um, you can follow him on Twitter, where he's he is Zero Zebra on Twitter. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, but you can find him on Letterboxd, where he is just Zebra. And do not follow Zero Zebra on um, Zebra, whatever, on, on Letterboxd, because they are a waste of your time. <laughs> <laughs> speaking as that person <laughs> the tone the tone on this podcast has really changed this episode i like it yeah. um or if you want to follow me on twitter you can just go to my letterbox and it's linked there um but yeah letterbox is easy it's just zebra there you go um you can hear me elsewhere if that is what you so wish um we have a very special episode of don't let the morton cast get you coming up soon um not the next one but the one afterwards so the next one we are going through uh, obtuse todd which is a, a different movie from the Moton folks and then we're gonna do freaky farley and on Freaky Farley, there'll be a Farley-themed guest. Awesome. Well, mm. everyone should absolutely The most Farley-themed guest. Um, <laughs> you can awesome. hear me rank a monster every now and then. Um, and I'm going to very much plug the two-episode series that I joined for on the films of Jean Cocteau, um, which I joined the Twin Geeks podcast, which is called Twin Geeks, to talk about Jean Cocteau movies. Um, Cocteau is amazing. His movies are amazing. And I'm really proud of those episodes. I think they're really worth listening to. And if you like how we talk here, you'll like those. Um, and it's got David and Calvin on it, who you heard their emails in this episode. Which I will also say, uh, for those oh, who Murph, don't know... Murph's on um, on the Daydream cast. And you yes, heard his email on this true. as well. There you go. Um, but I just wanted to note you, obviously, if you're saying this and you're listening to it when it came out, then you know it came out on a Friday. Um, we are now alternating with mm. the Twin Geeks um every friday every other friday 20. so now you will hopefully our schedule will be as permanent as it can be and you can find us every other friday on the twingeeks.com or wherever you listen to podcasts it would be great if you would give us a five-star rating or whatever mm -hmm. rating you think we deserve but hopefully it's think, positive when you're rating <laughs> think about vaughn when you're rating <laughs> vaughn, the grandmaster himself <laughs> think about that rate map don't think about me there you go. So Great give, us a, give us a high rating and uh, subscribe wherever you listen. And until next time, yes. we're thinking of ending this podcast. Bye.